0: Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, specifically for women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. Today, I have some special guests. I have Dale and Faith Ingram. Dale is a pastor and the husband of Faith, who is a survivor of incest at the hand of her pastor father. Dale and Faith founded Speaking Truth and Love Ministries to alert and train Christians regarding sexual abuse in sexual communities. Welcome. Hi, Heather. Hello. It is so good to have you guys here. We met in passing in the spring at the Call to Peace retreat, and then Faith was a guest at our Held and Healed retreat. And I am just so grateful to have this opportunity to talk with you guys. I am holding in my hand your book, Tear Down This Wall of Silence, Dealing with Sexual Abuse in Our Churches, an introduction for those who will hear. Wow. I like that tag, an introduction for those who will hear. And we're hoping that those who will hear will hear this podcast today. Yes. So tell me a little bit about why you decided to write a book like this.
1: Oh, that's that's an interesting question. I'm not a writer, but the Faith and I had started our ministry, and we had actually been doing it a few years. And I remember I actually sat down to write a short article in response to a lot of the negativity against abuse survivors mm. that were on the internet. And I actually was just going to start out writing a short article on it, and then one thing led to another, and I kept adding to it, adding to it. And I remember saying to Faith that I actually could could turn this into a book and actually mm-hmm. just write a book on this. And that was kind of the beginning of it.
2: Mm, wow.
0: Yeah, so it just began as you were pouring out your, your thoughts and your heart in response to seeing it, yeah. it, it baffles me, and it breaks my heart to see how survivors are attacked.
1: Yes, and attacked by the church, or by, yes. by people in the church, and which is, it does, I've been a pastor since 1983, and, and for the early part of my ministry, I didn't know much about abuse. So I probably made a lot of the same mistakes that I'm critical mm-hmm. of other pastors of doing now, but when you know the truth, I mean, when you see the light, you see what's going on, you have to rise up. And and God's word tells us in the Old Testament and new, it talks about being there for those who are oppressed and afflicted and and delivering them and helping them. And the church, for the most part, is doing the opposite of that.
0: Absolutely. We say that they're the only army that kicks their own wounded when they're down. Yes. And I, I remember hearing that statement when I was younger, before the adult layers of abuse hit and now I know it to greater to greater depth. So it is heart wrenching to see the so-called church, so called Christians, and I use air quotes a lot because Christians by definition are followers of Jesus Christ. And many people, most people, I'm sorry if I sound a little jaded but many people sitting in churches on yep. Sunday mornings are not truly Christians. I, Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah, They're they are doing their deeds, showing up, but what is going on behind closed doors is very dark and I can no yes. longer keep my mouth shut about this and right. I am grateful for people like you all. So how about you, Faith? What, what went through you, your mind and your process to even release this book to be written? Because this is, in essence, your story.
2: Right. Well, um, I I suffered abuse at, at the hand of my father from age nine to about 18. And I had thought that when I got married, I was behind me and I was all healed. And I just needed to forgive, forget, and move on with my life. But then my dad had another my niece. um, He molested my niece. And Mm -hmm. it was at that point that God woke me up to the fact that uh, we did nothing as far as holding my dad accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times offenders are offered much more grace and mercy and the victims are condemned and, and judged and wow. they're told that they're unloving or they're bitter because they wanna see accountability. And um, so anyways, in the process of dealing with um, my niece's abuse, we had to deal with the, his criminal activity as a church, as a family, and as um, and, and legally. And through the whole process, we realized We were not taught at all, let alone taught correctly. We weren't taught anything. We were just taught that we were just, it was just assumed that abuse does not happen in the church environment. And if it does, we just kind of sweep it under the rug. Let's get rid of it as quickly as possible. So through this whole process, God had called us to this ministry And part of the ministry is to um, educate people and raise awareness and help them to respond in a proper way. And if my story can help others in their um, pursuit to do what is right and to follow God's leading and, and direction in dealing with abuse and abuse victims, then I'm... I'm more than willing to have my story out there.
0: Um, Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's not it's not just a matter of if your story is helping people and your both of you your willingness to um to tackle this to go public to write a book to speak to travel um you both have very gentle and humble spirits which is so desperately needed um I think we all know of advocates that quickly, whether it's because they themselves haven't been healed or there's just, um, whatever the reason we, we know of advocates that can go the other direction and become very self-serving. And what I see in the two of you is just that humility, that grace, that servant leadership that you truly care about people and people are drawn, drawn to that. And we need more leaders that are servant leaders. I mean, I, I don't really understand how you can say that you're a follower of Christ and not be a servant. Right.
1: Yeah. Jesus was
0: a servant. He is.
1: That's right. That's right. And yet the tendency, you know, I, part of it's probably the, the human nature. Yeah. I think, especially with men, you, you want, you want to rule and, this this passage where Jesus in the Gospels gathers his disciples around him and and specifically says to them, He says, You know how that those in authority over the Gentiles lord it over them.
0: Yeah. And that's yeah. the exact
1: term he uses. And then he says, But it shall not be so among you. I mean, he makes it so clear. Right. That's right. And then he says, whoever wants to be the greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. And that and that all that includes that includes everybody. In other words, that includes a husband serving his wife. It includes a pastor serving his congregation. Yes. And, and we like to I think a lot of our church leaders will take those passages and they'll be selective with who they're going to serve, but, mm. but there's so much faulty teaching about, you know, husbands and their authority over their wife. It's like the husbands are the god over their family, you know, which is heretical, mm. and yet yeah. that's what's being taught.
0: God is God over the family. He doesn't need somebody else to be God over the family. Correct. That's right. And in a prior discussion we had, you were talking about this cancer that has invaded the church. So talk to us a little bit about this cancer. And so many leaders want to ignore this cancer.
1: Yeah. You know, Jude actually warned us way back in the early church. He warned the church in the book of Jude, verse 4, that certain men had crept in unnoticed and i think it's the niv that says they use the grace of god as a license to mm, sin mm, mm. and but there's a there's a sexual connotation to a number of the words in jude's letter and it clearly jude is saying that there are people coming into the church into the church to take sexual advantage mm. of the people in the church and he's warned us of that and i think satan found the the perfect storm yeah to destroy the individual and the family and the church and that's and that's abuse. whether we're talking mm-hmm. about the sexual abuse of children or whether we're talking about domestic violence and 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 husbands being you know violent um ruling over their wife and ruling over their children abusing them in. This darkness has been within the church, like a cancer, an unseen cancer in the body. And just like the cancer, present for years.
0: Yes.
1: You may may know something's wrong, but you can't put your finger on it. You're doctors, and they say, well, it's this, it's that. But eventually the cancer is exposed. And I think what's happening with the whole abuse issue in the last 10, 15 years or so, I think that the abuse issue is exposing the darkness that's in the church. In other words, mm-hmm. you look at the church, a lot of church people say well things are going really good we're you know, there's praise and worship on Sunday mornings, there's prayer, we're making all these efforts to do stuff. but you take a church that seems like it's going well and you have a, a case of abuse where uh, let's say there's a young girl that's been raped by one of the prominent members of the church. And then you look at how the church leadership responds to that, right? And it doesn't make sense. right The, the norm is that they protect the offender huh. and they will attack the victim. And, and what what I'm saying is how the church responds to abuse is exposing, their true heart. And I think the reality is there's a lot of people even behind the pulpit that are not regenerate.
0: And that, that is, that's it because we're asking, why is this? Why is this? Well, we know that in many cases, pastors will not teach and preach about abuse because they themselves are abusers and they will begin to expose um, things in their own lives. And I am hearing story after story Of corruption in worship teams (laughs) again because I guess the performance driven and you're on that platform and there's lights and Mm -hmm. there's people just you know just worshiping you which which should not be of course it should not be but I hear story after story of of pastors and worship leaders and other spiritual leaders swinging and molesting and abusing and this is all going on in the name of Jesus. And I guess I wonder how we're still on the map, (laughs) you know, like he he could just wipe us out. And why are we still here? Why does he keep giving us another chance? But I believe with all my heart that whether you call it a reformation, I don't know what you want to call it in the last several years, there is this movement and whether we attribute it to the the church too and more you know abuse victims coming forward i don't know where this started i am just grateful for voices like yours for, for other advocates and leaders who are standing up and saying enough is enough. And regardless of why it started or where it started, it's a wave. And Sarah McDougall just posted a tsunami the other day on her page. It is like this Mm -hmm. storm that is just sweeping. And I believe what it's going to do (laughs) as we are speaking out and we're saying, this is not okay. All the broken and all the wounded are going to begin to hear our voices (laughs) <laughs> yes. And I yep. hope and I pray and I try not to cry here. I hope and I pray that those who have been rejected, those who have been cast out, those who have been abused by the church will realize that is not God.
1: Exactly. That is that's not exactly God. right. Yep. And that's that's one of the reasons that I mean, when Faith and I go into churches or we do a, a conference or a seminar, we use a lot of scripture and, and we've had people tell us over the years that that maybe we shouldn't use as much scripture because it can be triggering and i and i and i get that but ultimately if abuse survivors are going to truly see the heart of god they need to see the scriptures and understand them the way god is actually saying it so much of what's being taught like out of ephesians 5 where he talks about the husband wife relationship (laughs) the way that passage is taught is almost the exact opposite of what the passage actually says.
0: That's right. That's right. And there's always that submit to one another before. Yep. That, right. that verse always comes it, before wives submit to your husbands. And yet there are people that literally leave it out and say that that's not what it means. And,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. and,
0: Every, you know, most of the marriage sermons that I've heard in my life are just completely out of context, cherry picked, and they don't reflect the heart and the character of of God and his love for his daughters. They just have, they don't have that in them. So I love on on page 196, you wrote, be a protector, not a pretender. Don't ignore the obvious, closing your eyes and ears to the cries of the vulnerable, pretending everything is all right. Instead, see the danger and come to the aid of the wounded one. So, Faith, I maybe have a question for you. Um, What would you like to see, Faith? What would you like to see churches do when someone has a story like yours? What is it that you needed for someone to say and do for you when you came forward with your story?
2: Uh, they need to stand alongside. Um, they need to, to fight for justice. Um, you know, in my case, when I finally did come forward, it was past the statute of limitations and that, and that aspect, but they need to be stand with the victim. And say we're here for you, mm-hmm. and we're going to stand up for you. We're going to hear your voice. We're not going to shut your voice down, um, because that's the normal response is you just need to forgive and forget, and and if you can't forgive, then you're being unloving. Mm. If you want justice, you're being unloving. Mm. If you want protection, then you're being unloving. And it's not being unloving to want safety for yourself and for other vulnerable people. Mm. It's just knowing that people are standing with you and that you're not being isolated and, um, and judged as being unloving and unforgiving because you're bringing to light the abuse that has happened in your life it may be still
1: happening to others around you. Yeah, and that's, and, and that's right. Heather, proverbs tells us that we should seek justice that's for right. the oppressed. That's right. And it's really sad because like uh, again, sexual abuse, domestic violence, it's like these are the 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 only few crimes where the victim has to always fight for themselves and seek their own justice. Usually it's you know the, it's it's the government against somebody uh the the church should rise up and the church should lead the charge that's fighting right. for justice for the oppressed because that's what the bible tells us to do but we, we did a conference down in greenville south carolina a number of years ago and we were talking about court cases and how the church seldom supports the victim when it comes down to court the people go there for the offenders And there was a a lady there from the Julie Valentine Center who was a speaker after after we spoke. And she said one of the things she does is go to court with the victims. And she said of all the years she's done that, not once has the church shown up to support the victim. Every single time they would always be there to support the offender.
0: That is absolutely tragic. Absolutely. And I only recently became aware of Never Stand Alone. Yes, um, that one specifically, I believe, for um, Amish, Old Order, and Mennonite communities. I guess. I mean, I don't know if they're open. Or do you know? Do they span wider than that? But it's definitely
1: for. Oh. I think. I think they would. I think they would be there for any any yeah. victims but those um,
0: those systems are so oppressive and they literally have an entourage that supports the abuser and so they 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 show up in communities to be there for women yes. um that yes. is incredible and it why is. why isn't why isn't every single church in every community saying do you have a case we'll go and we'll sit with her
1: exactly. we'll go
0: And we'll be there and we'll show our face and we'll be literally the hands and the feet of Jesus. So let's, let's talk a little bit about legal. (laughs) So, um, what the church's responsibility is legal, legally, even beyond. Okay. So yeah, we know the statute of limitations thing, and I pray that that goes away. I pray that that will be reformed because that is ridiculous. Most people do not come forward until they're adults because they don't understand that, a lot of people don't even know it was abuse until they're, they exactly. get out of these systems, and yes. so that, that needs to go. That just needs to go. But when it is within a certain time frame, what is the church's responsibility legally?
1: <laughs> so now, legally, it's going to vary from state to state. I mean, from a biblical or a moral standpoint, um. You know, the church needs to seek justice for the oppressed, just Absolutely. like we were talking about.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's really clear. Now, the The church's obligation, let's say, to report, uh, the, the you know, in most states, pastors are mandated reporters, um, yeah. teachers, professional counselors, mandated reporters. But, I mean, every Christian in their heart should be a mandated reporter. As far yes. as I'm concerned, before yes. God, we're mandated reporters.
0: Absolutely.
2: And I think too, because of the legal system is not perfect, that, and we've seen the statistics where only one or two um, percent of offenders actually go to jail for their crimes. Yes. And they, there may not be enough evidence to, um, to convict an offender but the church knows that they have offended they've admitted it or whatever um the church still needs to take action
1: hold accountable
2: hold hold an offender accountable um and not let them have access to vulnerable children and adults yeah um in their church and and if it's a pastor who has um has misused his power and control and abused people in the in the congregation then he should not be allowed to continue in a position of leadership
0: ever ever ever
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you know and that's not a case where it's just well we have to show that we've we've forgiven him Mm -mm. it's it's a case of he has he has um he's he's violated his trust and he no longer can hold that position and he he
0: doesn't qualify he doesn't qualify because god's word is clear on the qualifications of a pastor right and once you have done that you do not qualify you can be forgiven you can be forgiven and you can ultimately spend eternity in heaven yes i believe that but you you lose the right to, right. to hold this position. And there are other positions like teachers and coaches and counselors and, and people like that, that we don't even blink at saying that that's the case. But then when it comes to pastors, we would, right? we would, we would waver. I just don't understand
1: doesn't, that. <laughs> it doesn't make right. sense. It doesn't. And uh, another thing too, In and in most, most of your listeners are going to remember when there's a couple of occasions when jesus cast people out of the temple you know the one he made a whip drove them out and it, this was the, he's driving out the leadership the corrupt people and leadership and in the one gospel account shortly before his crucifixion he goes in and he begins to flip the tables over of the money changers and he he drives them out of the temple hmm. and in the one gospel account it specifically says after he does that It says, then the lame and the blind came in to be healed. Wow. It's not safe for abuse survivors to be in church and have offenders there. It's not a safe place. And until we get the wolves out of the sheepfold,
0: that's right,
1: it won't be a safe place.
0: That's right. So do you believe, and I know we've talked about this and I'm putting you on the spot. Do you believe that, okay, there's two different layers to this. Do you believe that someone who has sexually assaulted children should ever be allowed in the fold? Or do you believe that a sexual abuser of any age should ever be in the fold? That may be two different questions. I don't know if it is or if it isn't.
1: (laughs) Well, let's, let's take the first one. Let's say we're talking about an adult. they're uh, they've been accused of sexually abusing. You know, there, there's there's two separate issues. We're talking about the church's response and the legal response. The Bible makes it clear in Romans that we are to report to the law and the laws given God gave us government to punish. Three times in Romans 13, the first five verses, God calls government his minister, three times. Mm. And then twice it says to execute wrath or vengeance on those who practice evil. So we report abuse, and you look authorities deal with the legal aspect. Yes. But then the, the church, regardless of, of whether it goes to trial or not, doesn't matter. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And all these offenders have more than one victim. So it's That's right. and and it, and it doesn't even need to be multiple victims. if If you've got a victim that says, "This person did this to me," and you've got somebody else that says, "Yeah, I saw red flags. you know he was doing this, he was doing that, you've got multiple witness yeah. against this individual, and the church needs to put that individual out of the church. Now, yes. let's say you have a rare occasion. The church acts like all offenders are repentant. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe one or two aren't the the reality is that very few offenders are ever repentant right. truly repentant where they accept the consequences and they truly repent but let's say we do have a repentant offender there's all kinds of ways the church can minister to them and it may be doing a separate bible study it may be doing a separate evening service for adults where everybody knows that there you know there's going to be a of offenders here who who are working on getting their life right with the lord There's lots of ways to do it, but to just blindly say we have to bring these offenders back in the church. Yes. That doesn't make any sense at all. And yet that's what the vast majority of churches are doing.
0: It gives them full access to the sheep again. Yeah. And statistically, there are studies and studies and studies. And Jimmy Hinton is our expert on all the books and all the studies. Yeah. That, like you said, very rarely is there true repentance. Repentance is stages and steps, and it's over a course of time. Exactly. It does not mean that you have access to the innocent wolves again. If you're truly yes. repentant, you would understand that, and you would agree, and you would nod your head and say, I get it, I get it, I get it. If you were truly repentant, you wouldn't even, right. want, you wouldn't even want access to the sheep. That's exactly I would think.
1: Right. Yeah, that's but exactly. But so few right.
0: churches, so few churches. So they'll do these covenant agreements. They'll do this chaperoning, and a lot of times with the covenant agreements, only like core leaders even know. Yeah. So the general population of the church doesn't know that their children and their women are being exposed.
1: That's right. That's, That's exactly not okay.
0: Right. I mean, you would not bring a literal wolf into your fold. You would not bring an animal into your fold and let them have access. And yet that is what the Bible describes these abusers
1: as being. Yes. Yep, rabbitous wolves.
0: Yeah. Jesus used Doesn't really strong sense. words. Jesus used very strong words, and yet we coddle and enable Ah, yeah. I just don't get I it. Know. I just don't get it.
1: I know. <laughs> I know it there's there's something there's something really broken about the church in America. There really is. And I know there's good churches and there's good pastors and there's people that are that are every week trying to do the right thing. But I mean there's a lot of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um st- when we have to continually say it doesn't make sense, something is really Mhm. Right.
0: So that is for Anyone, and also just back to the statute of limitations, do we still recommend going and filing a report even if it's past the point so that if there are other cases that come along?
1: Absolutely. Always, always, always report. And if it's past the statute of limitations, what what you're trying to do is go on record saying this individual did this to me. Offenders, now there may be occasions when offenders will offend for a period of time and stop. But the vast majority of offenders never stop offending. Yeah. They, they continue to offend. And so you're going on record to me, maybe it was 20 or 30 years ago, but where that's significant is if, if somebody comes forward and it's within the statute where they can go to trial. Now, the police, the authorities have on record, maybe four or five other people that have reported this, And they can come in and testify that this happened to them, even if they can't be prosecuted for that specific crime.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then the patterns will begin to show themselves and they may not be held accountable for something 30 years ago, but they can be held accountable for something more recent. Right. It establishes that that character and that pattern. So so. If um, there are leaders who are listening right now and they just do not even know where to start, they see things. Maybe they are aware of red flags. They really want to do right and they want to protect. Maybe they are good shepherds and they want to protect yes. their fold. Where do we even begin?
1: So, and I'm sure that there are pastors in that exact spot. I think maybe a lot of pastors. I mean, from my early ministry, I mean, that's where I was. Yeah. I I mean I would start it's it's about educating yourself, number one, about the realities of abuse. Educate yourself and educate your congregation. Mm-hmm. The I think the the biggest or the most important thing the church can do to help prevent abuse is have an educated congregation. Mm-hmm. So so let's say you have a hundred a congregation of a hundred people. Well, if everybody in that congregation, including the young people, if they know what's going on. With abuse, you've got you've got two you know you've got two hundred eyes watching out for the children. Yeah, as opposed to two or three leaders that are saying, "Okay, we got to try to keep an eye on things." Let everybody know what's happening, because a lot of your congregation. I mean, there's the statistics are somewhere's around one in three women, maybe one in four women, and one in six boys are raped or molested by the time they're eight.
2: Wow.
1: So you're wow. talking between a quarter and a third of your congregation has experienced sexual abuse and most of them have not gone through healing. So when a, if a pastor would have an organization like our ministry, speaking truth of ministries, your ministry come in joy forest ministries have people come in and do a conference, a weekend conference, a Friday mm-hmm. night, a Saturday, and then in, speak in church on Sunday morning, that would be a huge step in the right direction. And and then there is some really good material. Um, I, I know that Joy's got some material. I know Sarah McDougall's got material. That in um, there's there's follow up material that churches can get for for small groups that they can go through to help find healing. But definitely educate yourself and educate your congregation.
0: Well, it just it just hit me. If statistically speaking. 25 to 30 percent of your people have been affected by this then why not spend 25 to 30 percent of your time teaching and preaching about this
1: yeah you know (laughs) yeah which is which is, Which is
0: like, I know you and I are like, yeah, right. Like that's going to happen. But seriously, if that many people have been affected, then that is at least the percentage we need to be bringing this up. Not once a year during domestic violence
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> awareness. Yeah. Like this that's needs right. to be a conversation that is laid on the table and is welcome to be opened again and again. That's and again. Right. Because people that's- will start to come forward and say, that's my story, but I didn't think yeah. I could share that
1: here. That's right. And one of my one of my favorite presentations that we do is called "What Does God Say About Abuse?" Mm. And in that particular message, we look at primarily we look at verbal abuse, child abuse, and marital abuse, and then underneath those, we'll deal with the sexual abuse and other things, other forms of abuse. But God has a lot to say
0: Absolutely. about abuse.
1: Yes. So if we're preaching through the word, the problem is we preach through the word and we gloss over. Yes, yes. If we don't get to the depth of what these, these verses are saying.
0: Even, even if we only preach the new Testament,
1: <laughs> Correct. the
0: new Testament, the red letter words of Jesus, like Jesus had so much to say about this.
1: Yes. So yeah, much,
0: so much to say. And, Again, why are we picking and choosing? <laughs> so, right. okay, so a church gets educated. And like you said, you, you have your ministry, which is just a powerful voice. We have called the Peace Ministries with Joy. We have Sarah McDougall's resources. So I highly recommend that every pastor read her book, Safe Churches. And also yes. read Myths We Believe, Predators We Trust. It's a very short book, but it is filled with all kinds of truth bombs. Of yep. course, your book here, Tear Down This Wall of Silence, there are resources. We are not without resources.
1: That's correct. Ten years, ago,
0: ten years ago, I couldn't have told anybody about any of this. Even five years ago, yes. I wouldn't have known that most of you existed. So we are without excuse in that realm. So um, and then it gets it gets messy. It gets sticky. It gets dicey. And so I have had a couple situations come up recently um, because we also understand that just because someone's a survivor doesn't mean they themselves are not abusers. (laughs) (laughs) It gets really, really messy. And so I was like, yeah, well, I understand why most leaders just don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Because if you're defending this person, you're not saying that survivors are perfect people. Okay. There is nowhere in God's word that says you have to be perfect to not deserve abuse. Because that theory would mean Jesus was the only one that didn't deserve deserve abuse. Right. And clearly that didn't work out for him either. So we are as human beings, we are worthy of safety. And that does not mean that we are perfect human beings. So, when churches start to get involved with messy, it does get messy. But we it also does. want the, the the message to go out that just because there's abuse, does not mean that there are. It takes two to tango. We need to stop saying that. And we need to stop making victims feel that they did something to deserve that or that they brought that on themselves or that they dressed a certain way or they acted a certain way or they put themselves. Right. Um, no, that needs to stop. That's a really good place for churches to begin by yep. eliminating certain phrases and sayings like it takes two to tango. Yeah,
1: um, yep. yep, exactly. That's just not
0: truth, not truth.
1: So Faith and I have talked about Whenever you go and do a conference or seminar, when it's done, you always say, oh, I forgot to say this sure. or I forgot to say that. And <laughs> I, We've talked about doing an actual sheet up to hand out of, of like bullet points of things that we want to make sure we say. And, and two of them, one is abuse is never your fault.
2: There
0: you go.
1: And another one is abuse is never part of God's plan for your life. Amen. There's so many. I I think well-meaning Christians that 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 will say things like, "But God meant it for good." And mm. listen, sin sin is never a part of God's plan for your life. That's right. And and um, uh, there's there's no there's no good thing that comes out of abuse. Now, we can find healing, and the and the healing can be a, a a great thing and we can use the healing process to help others there's there's all kinds of ways that we can bless others um as as we heal but there's there's you know abuse is never good it's never a good thing
0: that's right that's right and it's not your fault and whoever out there today needs to hear that we we really hope and pray that you will know that there are people who will stand with you and people who will believe you. Um, You don't have to prove. I I love just the overarching truth that God sees all. He hears all he knows all. So he is the first person we don't have to prove anything to. But then so often we feel like we have to prove to people that we were hurt and we have to prove to people that we were abused and we want the church to become the place where the broken can come. And that's the first place that they feel seen and heard and believed. Right. Yes. We need, we need to turn the tide and change the whole direction of where church has, has been for so, so long. And, and many people who are listening right now don't even attend a church. And we're here to say we get that, we understand that, and we right. hold space for that. We yes. don't judge people for not wanting to go back to the scene of the crime. We don't judge right. that. Right. So many churches have been the places where the abuse has either happened or the abuse has been re-victimized, re-traumatized, yeah. and mm-hmm. the, the survivors are the ones that become the villains and right. the actual oppressors are never held to account. And so we understand if you right now can't even darken the doorstep of a church We open our arms to you and we say, we get that. We understand that there's no judgment and condemnation. And there are ways online to have community. Um, We're going to let you guys share how people can find you. My group, Held and Healed, is for Christian women rebuilding after abuse. And I hear it week after week. It is so good to find a space where I'm understood. Yes. It is yep. so good to find a space where I don't feel like I have to explain what's happened to me or justify or rationalize or argue with people <laughs> that this right. is where right. I am. And right. we hold space. If you don't right now, if you can't even pick up God's word and read it because it was used to beat you over the head, we are so sorry.
1: Yep,
0: <laughs> And right. we are not going to beat you over the head with God's word. And, um, yeah, it's just, there is this beautiful, whether we call it a tsunami or whether we call it an army or whatever we want to call it, this thing that is rising up. And I believe that because we are talking about these hard things, so many people get it backwards. So many churches believe if we expose abuse that people will turn away. Uh, no, if we expose people, If we expose abuse, then the people who have been hurt are going to be drawn to truth
2: and justice
0: and mercy and grace, which is all things Jesus.
1: (laughs) That's right. (laughs)
0: Right. We got to get this right. We got to
2: turn this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so much of it is about image. Yeah. Yeah. We have to appear this way. Yeah.
2: And I I think I fell into that trap as well as a pastor's daughter. Mm. I thought that I couldn't that I couldn't share the things that I had issues with that I that caused doubt of where God was and who God was because I thought I had to protect the name of Jesus yeah yeah and if if I went came forward with what I was going through then God would look bad well yeah yeah no my offender would look bad right. that's right and you know god could still be glorified but if i'm trying to cover it up and make everybody think i'm okay and nothing's wrong in our family yeah. then you know i'm i'm not really being truthful in portraying what the christian life is right yeah
0: and our secrets are what keeps us sick
1: Right. And That's
0: right. When we, when we, when we face truth and the analogy back to cancer again is if, you know, if you have something growing inside of you, festering and taking over and, and putting toxins all throughout your body, if you don't know what that thing is and you can't name it and you can't speak about it, chances yep. are really huge that you're not going to heal it. So That's we right. are here to expose the cancer. We're here to expose the 13 patterns and systems of abuse that have crept in to homes and churches and workplaces and communities, because if we name it, then we can begin to heal it. But as long as we hide behind these, and let's just remind ourselves that God is the God of the universe and he can take care of his own reputation. (laughs) he doesn't need us to defend him and he's not the cause of the abuse either so that's where we have to separate this out just because a church did this to you does not mean that God did this to you Exactly. and my my hope and my prayer for so many people that I love is that we can begin to distinguish who God is versus who people have misrepresented him as being it's hard, it's a lot of deconstructing, it's a lot of of just tearing down and rebuilding. But I hope and I pray that many will understand. And we are just three voices out there among many that are saying that is not God. God loves you and God wants good for you and God protects and covers and honors you. He does not hurt you.
1: Right. That's right. And
0: anyone who has done that in his name is not representing him. And that's right. justice will be served in the end, but we also want to see justice served here on this earth that <laughs> we want. Yep. We want justice for people who have been hurt. So tell us um, how we can find you guys.
1: So our ministry is speaking truth and love ministries. Our website is speaking truth and And we have our, our contact information on there. And again, our we're doing this full time. Now I resigned as pastor and faith resigned her job, at the end of 2019. And we want to go into churches. We'll go meet with small groups. Um, so we do a variety of things. Uh, my cell phone number is the best way to contact me, which is 607-542-0316. You just gave your phone number to the Internet? <laughs> I yep. guess you are serious about
0: people finding you.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And you, you'll get a variety. We'll get a variety of calls. I but bet you do. <laughs> Yeah, but if somebody if somebody really wants to just need someone to talk to wow. or, or or they're interested in getting a group together, doesn't have to be in a church. A lot of these yes. meetings are yes. taking place in fire halls or in someone's home that can, you know, you can get 20 or 30 people in Yeah, and uh, we'll go wherever God gives us an open door.
0: I love it. It is the church without walls. I love that so yeah. much. We are seeing this. We're seeing this movement, the church without walls, because what you are doing is very much Acts 2. And even though it doesn't have the the covering or the title of, of what you once had, it is very much the gospel going out. And the book yes. is Tear Down This Wall of Silence, Dealing with Sexual Abuse in Our Churches, written by Dale Ingram with our friend Rebecca Davis. Forgot to mention her. Yes. Uh, We are are so grateful for that woman and her work, and I am just so grateful to have you guys as part of my spiritual family, and I look forward to doing more with you. This is a big dream. I'm going to put it out there because I find that when I put things out there, then I tend to follow up. I want to host an online summit. And I want this message and all of these advocates that I have grown to love. I want everybody to be on one platform in one place for one weekend and for it to be something that is um, automated so that we can get it out, get it out, get it out. Yes. And when that time comes, you guys will be hearing from me. And I just look forward to partnering with you guys in the future.
1: That's awesome. We're looking forward to it as well.
0: Bless you all. And thank you to everyone who listened today. Um, as always, ladies, you can find us at on Facebook at Held and Healed, Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. And anyone else who needs to contact me, heatherelizabeth.org. And we do hope and pray that this blessed you today on your healing journey. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.